We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On Rotoviz Radio, brought to our friends over at the Blue Wire Network. We are another week into the offseason, creeping a little bit closer towards training camp. And this evening, I am joined by the wonderful, the beautiful Dan Pena. Well, beautiful is a little bit of a stretch, but I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate the gas. Uh, yeah, we're we're good, just inching ever so closely to that uh, that lovely start of the season. Camp's upcoming. We still don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. And all is apparently well. All is well on the Rotoviz Network. And before we start the show, I do want to talk a little bit about, um, I know we, we plug Rotoviz stuff throughout the show, but I wanted to plug off, off the top. We got a new podcast network. The more we grow, the more smart people we have on board, the better for us. And it is Stealing Bananas with Ben Gretsch and and, of course, Sean Siegel, the wonderful Sean Siegel. That's where the bananas come from. Stealing comes from Ben Gretsch. So make sure you're tuning in to uh, Stealing Bananas each and every week. I think they're doing three episodes a week. They're, they're, they have much more work, I think, than we do, Dan. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you know, they're, they're the smart folk. We just try to be entertaining. But anything, anything that these guys are involved in, you really should be listening to or reading. Um, Sean is is one of the goats. If you were to ask anybody, anybody, they probably would say the same thing. And uh, and Ben's got quite the brain on him as well. So I think I think putting these two in the same space is going to be pretty special. And of course, on our network, you know, only helps our helps our our pocket. True. True. <laughs> All right. So while uh, Ben and Sean are not busts, the start of today's show are going to be talking about some busts in good offenses. So oftentimes I feel like we talk about the exciting players in good offenses, some of the bad players in bad offenses. I think we've called this yin-yang in years past. So we're going to do a little, a little bit of yin-yang. Got some uh, busts off the top, and then we'll go through 9 through 12 under value. Sound good to you, Dan? I think that sounds like the best plan you've had all day. 
I, I haven't had another plan, so uh, that <laughs> sounds good to me. Oh, I guess I, I should credit the person who uh, came up with this was I gave an option of four via the Twitters, and Twitter's highest vote was bust and good offenses. That's why we're talking about bust and good offenses today. And, of course, bust is an operative word. It more or less means overvalued. We're not saying these players are not going to produce many points or they're not going to be any good, more so that they are overvalued at their current ADP via the Rotoviz. TriFlex app. So we're going to go through, uh, the, I think it's the top six or seven teams based on total yards in uh, the previous season and talk about who we, we think might be overvalued in those offenses. So let's start it off. Uh, the team that lost Super Bowl to the best team, uh, the team that is going to be one of the best offenses for many, 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 many years to come. So we got to find who's overvalued in the Kansas City Chiefs offense. This was an absolutely Easy peasy lemon squeezy choice last year. Last year we were like, okay, it's Edwards O'Leary, number one with a bullet, and we were correct about that. Now he's a little bit cheaper, a little bit on the more, a uh, little more affordable side. He's being drafted in the fourth round, around round around four oh four. So that's where he's being uh, taken right now. Clyde Edwards O'Leary, four oh four. So is he the overvalued, or is there somebody else in this Chiefs offense that you're saying stay away from? Well, I think he, like you said, has made it in kind of that that sweet spot of of a nice high end RB two because obviously all of the opportunity is there, the touches should be there, uh, and the upside of having the best offense in the league is there. So uh, I'm not really sure that that uh, Ceh is going to be our bust in this offense. It's it strikes me a lot as kind of the Green Bay Packers offense. You have your high end quarterback. You have your high-end wide receiver one. They obviously have Travis Kelsey, uh, but then you have the high-end running back who's also going to score a lot of points. So it's it's tough outside of your top, you know, each the main person in each position to to really pick somebody there. So I think we're looking at some of the auxiliary pieces, uh, and I think it's probably got to be McCall Hardman. I, I don't know that really anyone's as high on him as they were. So the real bust potential there probably isn't uh, as noteworthy as it once was, but I do see Hardman as being the underwhelming piece here. They don't really have a whole lot else. It is kind of the four horse show in Kansas city. So uh, I think all four of them are relatively comfortable in their pricing. Obviously uh, I'm not really taking Travis Kelsey as tight end one or in round two at any point in time, but it's pretty well insulated as far as, as short-term value uh, and even like a three-year window for a tight end, I think it's still fine there. So I'd go Hardman here. Yeah, I think Hardman makes sense because he's the only one out of, like outside of the main pieces that has any sort of expectations. And I was I've been surprised. There's been like people tweeting about uh, taking him in round ten or eleven in in you know best ball uh, redrafts. And I'm like, that seems expensive. Basically, we've been shoehorning Hardman into this role for the last two years, and it, it's, he's just showing that. Yes, he might be the second most talented wide receiver in that group, but there's just not much talent separation between him and the wide receiver three, wide receiver four in that offense to where, yes, he might be a decent best ball play, but in terms of like a week-to-week play, I don't think you're ever going to be comfortable like, okay, I'm going to put Hardman in my lineup. Yeah, he's currently going wide receiver 61, just ahead of Devontae Parker. I'm taking Parker every single time in in that equation. Uh, He's also still going ahead of guys like Christian Kirk. Even someone like Nelson Aguilar, he's got more upside, in my opinion, uh, in, in his empty offense that he's going to be playing in, regardless of who's quarterback. 
And it's it's just kind of a weird spot. Once you get past kind of that wide receiver 50 range, uh, outside of your top, you know, four, you know, the top 48 uh, of wide receiver, it's just kind of a, a hodgepodge of hopeful slot wide receivers and some young guys that are an injury away from seeing some sort of volume. So, um, you know, I'd still probably take a shot on Hardman if we're in that 15, 16, 17 range where we are getting into those no-name type guys, but I'm not reaching for him in the 10th in a best ball. Yeah, and just to give you a look at some of his matching players through the range of outcomes out, uh, it's not a not a pretty list. You have Ruben Randall, 2013, Cole Beasley, 2015, 2016, Devin Funches, 2016, Kendall Wright, and 2013, Leonard Hankerson. So not a ton of guys like, I want that guy in my roster. Once again, it's not like he's a screaming over value because he's being drafted so late. But he's just a guy that I don't think meets expectations in 2021. For sure. Let's move on to the Buffalo Bills. Now, kind of like what you talk about with the Chiefs where, okay, you know what you know in that offense. The Bills are kind of the same way that, like, they have their top pieces. They have basically Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. And not really anybody below them has expectations. So really, it's really hard for anyone to be overvalued. So I've kind of pinpointed Josh Allen as they overvalued here because – you know, once upon a time, we weren't as confident as Josh Allen being a top NFL quarterback or, you know, being, you know, a top guy. And yes, he had an amazing 2020, but there is still the possibility that he isn't quite as good as we thought coming out. Um, his comparables to the range of outcomes that are pretty, there's Watson, Newton, Watson, Wilson, Mahomes. So definitely it, it's looking like a positive 2021 but just in terms of price and in terms of a lower floor, I think Josh Allen might be the overvalued piece in this offense. Well, I think he has the the probably the easiest chance to to bust because, like you mentioned, they don't they don't really have a super potent offense. It's potent because of Josh Allen and because of Stefan Diggs. Uh, I'm probably going to go, and again, we're not talking about super expensive pieces here. But anyone that's stacking the Bills running backs, I mean, you're not getting points there. Uh, Zach Moss going RB38, uh, Devin Singletary going RB48. I don't think I'm touching either one of them at that point. I'm a big Singletary guy, and there's a little bit of opportunity to be had, but they're like dead last in every every running back category. A, because Josh Allen is a great running quarterback, and B, he just he hawks all of those touchdowns and all, all that opportunity. Plus, you still have Cole Beasley in the slot, for whether he plays or whether he doesn't play. And you have the the ultimate playmaker in Stefan Diggs that's going to get a fair number of those as well. So uh, I think if if folks are trying to stack these running backs and, and just try to play the hot hand, I really don't think there's a ton of upside to even try to play that game here, even if you are looking at a 10 through 12 range uh, as far as where you have to draft them in order to get them. It's just... I don't see a lot of opportunity. I think it's a really, really easy chance for them to bust completely and not even not even afford like an RB3 or RB4 season. They're, they're more than likely beyond that. Yeah, it's reminiscent of early 2010s Cam Newton where you were like banging the table like, why are the running backs in this offense not getting more touches? Why are the running backs in this offense not getting more touchdowns? And, that's, and honestly, Josh Allen is just early 2010s Cam Newton but he can throw. So, <laughs> so that does, you know, deflate some of the upside and even the floor of the Bills running back. So yeah, I don't think any of them are great values um, at their price, but I think they're just like, I think that the upside of them is the fact that they're in a good offense and, you know, the upside of running back in a good offense is higher. So 
Let's move on to the Tennessee Titans. Um, Tennessee Titans, they have acquired Julio Jones. Ryan Tannehill took another step um, in the right direction this past season. So is it Derrick Henry? Is it A.J. Brown? Is it the newcomer Julio? Where are you shaking your head at with the value in this offense? Well, it's tough in this offense to not go for someone like Derrick Henry when you bring in Julio Jones. You add Josh Reynolds even. Uh, obviously, you're losing Johnu Smith and Anthony Ferkser being your only other option at tight end. I still feel like this offense is built more to throw at this point. When you add the superstar in Julio Jones, you already have A.J. Brown. This offense, it should be untouchable through the air. And that's not really something that Derrick Henry does. Now, we know the last couple of years, they've been more than fine just pounding it, pounding it, pounding between the tackles. And they could save that type of game plan for the playoffs. They know they're getting to the playoffs. And they could turn this offense into more of a high flyer. So, for me, in round three, you know, he's not a horrible value considering he's going as RB11, but... At the same time, I feel like it could just be a ho-hum regular season. He's looking at more likely kind of mid-RB2 numbers, in my opinion. I, I just feel like they take it slower with Henry, and they really take advantage of this passing offense that they have. Yeah, and I do think that's very much a dynasty take. Like, you know, if, if you can get Derrick Henry at RB10, RB11, and redraft, you know, to smash, you're still smashing mm-hmm. that. But, yeah, I mean... We'll really talk about this in a couple of other you know teams as well. But when you're trying to find the overvalued and you have a guy who's being drafted in the top three rounds and he's a second contract running back, it's not hard to just you know use that <laughs> use that as a cop out. Yeah, we we've been known to dislike second second contract running backs pretty much as much as we dislike tight ends. All right, let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings, another team that has a second contract running back. That's Dalvin Cook. Um, and, of course, they have Irv Smith, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Kirk Cousins, which of these guys are you saying, eh, I don't know about that one? This is this is a tough a tough day for me, Nathan, because Kirk's going to be Kirk. He's, he's not going to be insane, but he's going to be a low-end QB1. He's probably being drafted as a mid-QB2. Justin Jefferson's going to be outstanding. Adam Thielen is almost free. And he's going to be just fine. Dalvin Cook, I don't think, is losing his legs the way some feel. Uh, and this offense has gotten in a, into a space where they are super balanced. But we also know that Minnesota historically loves to run. So that leaves the one change in in you know the lineup here. And that's at tight end. Kyle Rudolph out the door. They obviously had Herb Smith. But now it's it's his baby. and. As much as I've been on the hype train and as much as I love Herb Smith, and he's not even really being drafted all that high, I still think he's the easy bust here. You get that that high end tight end two or even high low end tight end one. You know, everyone's hoping for that, and and I have higher hopes than that. Even I think I think he has the ability to be up with kind of the Noah Fans and the T.J. Hawkinsons. I just don't think this offense is in a place to support a big-time tight end. I think it's really going to focus on Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen's going to get his just because he's good enough. And I think that just leaves Irv kind of out to dry, unfortunately. 
Yeah, my, my main concern with Irv over the last basically 24 months has been like, where is the volume going to come from? And that was before the emergence of Justin Jefferson, where we're like, okay, this Justin Jefferson guy, he's not just like, you know, your average first round wide receiver pick. He's like one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. So the emergence of Jefferson, the aliveness of Adam Thielen, uh, do make it difficult to, to find Irv Smith in a startable position week to week. And then you can cop out with Dalvin Cook as well. Um, you know, he's, the, the bottom is going to fall out eventually. Maybe not this year, um, but in terms of the passing offense, Irv Smith is the guy to possibly fade. All right, next we'll go to a team in flux, a team that has a lot of things going on, and that is the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers, don't know whether he'll be there week one or week two or week five, uh, but what does that mean for this offense? Um, I, I think that... The, for the most part, this entire offense is overvalued. I think Devonta Adams is still valued like Aaron Rodgers is a lifetime Packer. I think Aaron Jones is, is being valued like uh, Aaron Rodgers is a lifetime Packer. And I think those are assumptions you can't make, um, especially when I think there's a decent chance he's not a Packer, whether it's retirement or trade. Yeah, I, and another person that we've kind of historically disliked, uh, even though he's almost always been a pretty good value, has been Aaron Jones. Uh, you know, Obviously, Jamal Williams leaves. He was a pretty big part of the offense, but they also spent a high pick on A.J. Dillon, and we're just going to see A.J. Dillon slide into that Jamal Williams role. Devontae Adams is really the only wide receiver uh, or, honestly, pass catcher, maybe Robert Tanyan ever so slightly, but Adams going to kind of live and die by whatever whatever Rodgers decides. If Rodgers sits out, he's going to be catching passes from Jordan Love, and I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, I think if there was an opportunity to buy somebody here, it probably is Jordan Love until a decision is made on Aaron Rodgers. Even though I'm not a big Jordan Love guy, uh, I just think there's a nice opportunity for some for free some free value if you can get him uh, for relatively cheap still. And as far as Aaron Rodgers goes, I think he's more likely to sit out than he is to play. Uh, I think that's probably going to be his move. He can opt, you know, to just sit the year out under under the COVID uh, rulings and still make his money and not not get hurt. He'll be fully healthy to the return for 2022. And I would think the Packers at that point would find a trade partner. Um, I don't see it happening. I, I figured it would have happened on June 1st when that contract and all of those issues took care of themselves. But at this point, I think, yeah, Nathan, I think everybody, um, except for maybe A.J. Dillon and Robert Tanyan, I, I think I don't want any part of any of them. I think if you can get players for cheap and Jordan Love, sorry, uh, I think if you can get the players for cheap, they're fine to have. Uh, if everyone's bailing, you know, if you're bailing on Devonte Adams, great, go go get a nice discounted Devonte Adams. Just don't expect a lot in 2021. All right, and we'll wrap up our busts in good offenses with the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, one of the more exciting teams with the Cliff Kingsbury offense and Kyler Murray. And they added A.J. Green, if that means anything. Uh, it doesn't. <laughs> they have DeAndre Hopkins still. So what? where is the overvalue in this offense for you, Dan? Well, you know, it'd be easy to say Kyler, but with the weapons around him, I don't really think you can say that. Uh, you could say Hopkins because he's still being drafted a little bit early, and he's, you know, 29 now, I think. But... He's elite still. He hasn't lost a step. Uh, you could throw, you could throw the either one of the other two wide receivers 
in the mix. Uh, even someone like AJ Green, uh, I think he's got a really good chance at busting, but are we really counting on AJ Green for anything? Uh, Rondale Moore, to me, feels like a pretty safe play. I don't think there's really any bust potential for someone that really doesn't have much for expectations. Uh, I think the the clean line to a bust here, kind of kind of like who we talked about earlier in Buffalo, is the running backs. Now, James Conner, you know, he, he doesn't look, unfortunately look like he did in college, like Pitt, James Conner. Uh, he never really did fully seem like the same guy. Uh, after all of the the health issues, unfortunately, because he was going to be a superstar. Uh, and he's still a fine player. He's just not what he was. And then, you know, you've you've got the rest of the backfield, Chase Edmonds, uh, and and the other just kind of additional pieces. And people have high hopes. They think James Conner is going to run the ball a whole bunch. And they think Chase Edmonds is going to catch a lot of balls. I just don't see how either one of those guys get really good looks, just like in Buffalo. But in, in Arizona here, you have actual weapons surrounding Kyler Murray, and Kyler still needs to get his. So uh, I just don't think this backfield is due for what some folks seem to think it's due for. Yeah, I agree with you. Chase Edmonds is overvalued at RB28 in the ninth round. I actually like taking a swing on James Conner at RB41 in the 13th round because if there's a Chase Edmonds injury, James Conner, I, I think even without an injury, James Conner is probably going to lead the team in carries. Uh, and if there is an injury, then you're going to add some, some receiving work to that. I think there's some upside at that round 13 price. I'm not going out and, you know, buying James Conner in any league by any means, but I do think it's a palatable price. I think Chase Edmonds in the ninth is not. I, yeah. And, and for sure, the pricing wise, you're definitely looking at James Conner instead. I just still think he's got a really good chance at busting a injury B just the way the offense is. All right, so before we get into our rounds 9 through 12 undervalued, let's hear about ourselves, Roto Viz. I just want to take a second to thank you for tuning in to today's show. My name is Colin Kelly, co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast, along with the great Sean Siegel. We do appreciate each and every listener, and as a thank you to each of you, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL pass. We're heading at full speed towards the season. Make sure you're ready. Get yourself access to all the content and tools up on the Road of His website. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout to get yourself that 10% discount. Now let's go and dominate those fantasy leagues in 2021 we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. That's right. Get yourself your promo code RV Radio 2021, 10% discount. It's all you need. It's what you need for the kids, for the children. We got it. Round nine, back and forth. Dan's going to start off with round nine, undervalued. Looking at Rotoviz Triflex ADP. Make sure you get your subs so you can get that data, hashtag data. Who is your round nine undervalued? Round nine is, uh, is, it was pretty easy for me. There's a couple of wide receivers in this round that I thought were, were a bit undervalued, but I know we're pretty big, both big fans of the San Francisco 49er offense. So I think Debo Samuel is pretty easily uh, significantly undervalued here, especially when you look at his counterpart being drafted in round five at wide receiver 15 and Brandon Ayuk. Then you look at Debo Samuel here in the ninth at wide receiver 38. So Debo, we've seen everything we need to see. The one thing we're chasing is volume. If if Ayuk and Samuel get kind of an even split along with George Kittle, I think we're looking at mid to late wide receiver twos on both ends. And then obviously Kittle's going to be up there assuming he's healthy. So I don't think it really matters who's throwing the ball in San Francisco. I think both of these wide receivers are going to be great. But when you look at the huge round discrepancy between Ayuk and Samuel, uh, I think it's very easy to see that Samuel's undervalued, especially in the ninth round. Yeah, we've talked about this on air, off air, that the that the discrepancy between Ayuk to Samuel makes no sense. And less so because Ayuk is overvalued. It's more so because Debo is undervalued. Then maybe Debo should be in the fifth or sixth round. Um, so, yeah, he's the clear undervalue in round nine because he has a similar floor and ceiling to guys that are going in that fifth and sixth round. Now I'll go to round 10, sticking at the wide receiver position, sticking with another offense that we're both bullish on, I believe. And that is the Miami Dolphins and wide receiver Will Fuller. Will Fuller is a guy I am very bullish on for the 2021 season. And the the matches for his uh, range of outcomes app are very pretty. 2016 A.J. Green, 2015 Des Bryant, 2015 Randall Cobb, 2013 Michael Crabtree, and 2014 Jordan Nelson. Those are some pretty good wide receivers. Put those in a offense that we think is going to uh, escalate as T- as Chua gets into year two with better weapons and Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle and Devontae Parker. So I'm all aboard the Will Fuller train 2021 and huge value in round 10. Yeah, and the big thing with him has always just been the injury. Can he stay on the field? We know he's going to smash when he's on the field. He did it in Houston. He's going to do it in Miami. Uh but round 10, actually, it seems like kind of a nice nice round. You you also have Curtis Samuel, who I'm pretty high on. I think I, I'd probably take him ahead of Will Fuller. 
Uh, and you also have Tyler Boyd there. And, and yes, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins uh, are the future of Cincinnati. But Tyler Tyler Boyd is 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 no no schmuck. Uh, he's he's there to play. He's going to contribute. And um, it, you know that that's kind of a loaded round there. So I do think Will Fuller is definitely undervalued. Uh, I I would be leaning more in that Curtis Samuel range. But I think if you can get Will Fuller in the wide receiver four range as far as value goes, even if you take him around earlier than that, he's still probably undervalued because he's got an opportunity to probably post wide receiver two numbers. All right, let's move on to round 11. All right, round 11. Uh, This one was interesting. We talk about Baltimore quite a bit, uh, and that's where you see Hollywood Brown in in this range. But... We decided to go a little different route. Normally, we don't try to talk about running backs, especially when we're talking about undervalued. But I think there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of ability that's kind of going underappreciated, and that would be within one Damian Harris. He thought I was going to say Mike Davis just for the memes, but we're going with Damian Harris in round 11. Uh, The Patriots offense is kind of an unknown at this point. They have no pass catchers aside from their tight ends that they went out and gave massive contracts to because they're going to go back to their two tight end sets, whether it's Mac Jones or it's Cam Newton. The one thing we know is that new England loves their running backs and why not love your best running back? Uh, You know, they bring in Ramondre Stevenson as well, but it's the last year we got a a little sneak peek on, on, um, on Damian Harris and, you know, what we saw out of college, I still think Damian Harris has enough to be a, a workhorse back in a backfield. New England doesn't use their backs that way. But in this round, I, I feel like you're getting really, really cheap points at the running back position. Yeah, certainly this late in the draft, it's really hard to find a guy who who is not only could be, he is likely to be the RB1. He's still a day two pick, something that isn't involved. I mean, James White might have been a day two pick way back in the day, but he doesn't really count because uh, he's just a pass <laughs> catcher. Um, so, yeah, I think that Damian Harris is a nice price here in the 11th round, has a solid floor and a solid ceiling. Um, I've talked about at length that I like Stevenson as, as a sleeper, but that's just because he's basically free. Like, mm-hmm. Harris is the, is the better play. He's just more expensive. Yeah, and it's certainly not really a big, a big value to sink in round 11. You're not – you're not, you know, putting your entire draft on the line by getting Harris in the 11th. And we'll move to round 12, undervalued, wide receiver. This is an offense that everyone likes to stack, and I feel like he gets becomes the forgotten one in the stacks. Like, okay, I'm going to stack uh, Dak and CeeDee Lamb. I'm going to stack Zeke and, and Dak Prescott. N- not as many people are like, okay, let's go with the cheapest option here, Michael Gallup in round 12 of a dynasty startup, wrote of his Triflex ADP. Um, he is going at wide receiver, 50 wide receiver 50 for Michael Gallup and, and I, I my number one reason for liking him here is it's the cheapest way to get legitimate exposure to the Dallas offense here's my massive issue with how the hell Michael Gallup is wide receiver 50 I don't know if you recall Nathan but the Pittsburgh Steelers happen to have three wide receivers on their team and they uh, well, three that they use, at least. <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster is wide receiver 29. Okay. The other two are ahead of him. Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 24, and then Chase Claypool at wide receiver 22. Yes, CeeDee Lamb is wide receiver six. He's better than all three of them. 
Amari Cooper is going at wide receiver 18. He's better than all three of them. You know who else is also better than all three of those guys, Nathan? Ooh, Michael my- Gallup, who's also going at wide receiver 50. <laughs> if you have three Pittsburgh Steelers with half-dead Ben Roethlisberger going inside your top 30 wide receivers, why the hell is Michael Gallup wide receiver 50? Uh, it's it's free. He is free. At wide receiver 50, you go out and buy every single piece of Michael Gallup you can find because that is ridiculous. I'm I'm starting my blood pressure's rising because of this. <laughs> Your blood pressure's rising. I think we're going to draft Michael Gallup as soon as we hang up this call. So, right. Uh, <laughs> so we should get into that. But yep, that's another edition of our. We had a bust in good offenses, followed by undervalued for round nine through twelve. Next uh, next week we'll flip it. We'll go undervalued in bad offenses and overvalued nine through twelve. Thanks for tuning in this week. Um, any last words, Dan? That's it. Be friendly. Be friendly. Be cordial. Uh, cordial is a fun word. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh!